On this episode of A State of Control, we cover the 2021 edition of Crestron Masters. What did we get out of it? What does it mean to have to take certification tests? And how does the virtual aspect of things benefit those who are attending? All that and more on A State of Control. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. A State of Control. A State of Control, Episode 82. Simple is good. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by... Sure. Because every voice matters. Welcome to A State of Control, an AV Nation podcast that highlights the control programming and automation aspects of the audiovisual industry. My name is Steve Greenblatt. I'm your host. Thanks for joining us today. So a few times a year, the state of control, we talk about something that's a an industry event or something that is schedule-based. Most of our episodes that we do are fairly evergreen, but this, this is one of those that is an annual event that we cover, and that event happens to be Crestron Masters. So in the past, we've done episodes on Crestron Masters, if you want to check them out, uh, episodes 71 and 57 of the last two years, and we've uh, done a few others in the past, so you can go back further than that if you'd like as well. So with me to discuss this are a few uh, of the attendees and participants in the event. And before we get there, I'd like to introduce and say hi to my partner here at Estate of Control, none other than Rich Fragosa. Hey, Rich, how are you? I'm doing good. Mellow West Coast greetings on, on this one. I'm excited about this one. This is uh, actually, I don't get to see Ed often enough, and this is my first time getting some FaceTime with Hope, so I'm digging it. I know, right? These are some of our, our buddies that we talk to often, but we haven't had on the show yet. And uh, that's probably a good lead in. I uh, want to welcome uh, Hope Roth. Uh, she is the lead programmer at Reardon Brothers, and she's also a big uh, volunteer with Avixa. So welcome, Ro- Hope. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Glad to have you. And last but not least, someone that I've known for probably longer than I want to uh, talk about because that will date us, but uh, he's one of the early uh, CSPs and formerly CAPES, and uh, he's also the owner at Technology On Demand. Welcome, Ed. How are you? Oh, I'm good. Thank you very much for having me as well. Uh, on behalf of CAB, uh, we're also very happy to be here. And thanks. That's uh, and because we have to uh, define our acronyms here at at AV Nation, the uh, Crestron Advisory Board. It's uh, a member, uh, a standing member on that, and uh, something that we can touch on as well. So um, this has been an interesting year, as we all know. And and uh, last year, Crestron Masters was virtual, and this year was again. Um, the addition to the event this year was that it also included uh, sales associates, and, and in the past it was limited to programmers and then expanded to uh, designers, and and now we are also having sales associates as part of the program. So it's become a, a big 
gathering and uh, and a pretty big production for for Crestron and also for the people that are involved. And in fact, this year it was done in a in a fairly condensed manner and pretty much supported. Uh, all the global time zones. So it, that was another wrinkle and, and made it a, an, an interesting event and, and also a way that uh, increased collaboration and, and introduced more people to each other. Um, so Rich, I'll, I'll uh, kick this off with you. And uh, we, you know, we continue to talk about Crestron Masters and I know it's an important part of a lot of people's schedule and, and we've re recently covered Tr uh, training and certifications. Uh, why is this uh, such the big thing? Is it just for those certifications or is there more to it than that? Well, I think this year really pointed out that it's much more than focusing on the programming side. I mean, you have, you have the programming track, but it also got opened up to technology architects. It also got uh, opened up to the sales aspect of it. Uh, so, you know, I think the the beauty of if, if there's the silver lining of the pandemic, right, is that it created an opportunity for companies, dealers, uh, CSPs, consultants, A plus partners to get some more insight into the nuts and bolts of how Crestron operates um, without having to deal with, uh, you know, a marketing sheet because you didn't have to necessarily pack up your entire office of 30 people, put them on a plane, get them in a new, get them to New Jersey and effectively shut down for X amount of days in order for all elements of your company to be able to participate. So, you know, I think we are seeing that paradigm shift due to the fact that there is, I mean, there, there's some economic disadvantages to training for companies. I mean, manufacturers are willing to put it on and but but they're the nexus they're where you go to the hard part for lots of companies depending on their size is the financial ramifications of being able to pick up a staff and get them and because we all acknowledge that training is important uh, but there's you know again you're dealing from different aspects but as a business owner you have to make some decisions you have to decide where you can invest that money because again if, if we had unlimited budgets you know, we'd be flying all over the globe, you know, getting trainings in, in Belize if we could. Uh, but, but this was an opportunity, and especially this master's, I felt more than anything else, was to find a way to create a stepping stone, which we're going to see down the line, which is we are allowing people to attend from their desks and get a, a good experience, as close to an in-person experience. And in the future you're going to have the opportunity to have the most efficient experience on site. However, if you can't make it, we don't want you cut out from that process. We want to give you the opportunity. Now, is it going to be as effective as real-time interaction? I don't believe so, but it sure beats, you know, the binary, you know, yes or no in terms of training. So, so I, you know, and I think that's, especially as we see with the MTA track and some of the other tracks, it does lead some flexibility as a whole for an organization to educate itself with different new manufacturers. Hope I'll, I'll bring you into this conversation. Uh, and, you know, for somebody who is uh, working for a smaller company, uh, you know, Rich touched on uh, be, being able to have that flexibility to attend and also be able to balance workload and, and also get other people involved. Um, do you feel like this, 
this uh, having this type of an experience in a in in more of a virtual manner or uh, or in person? What what what's been your experience in terms of uh, the value that you get out of it? Uh, that's a great question. We are a small company, less than ten people. So um, you know, if my boss and I go to masters, that's basically our whole programming department that's out of the office. Um, I will actually say that I, I like in person because it allows me to say I am out of the office and then you don't have the pressures of sending code off to everybody. But I understand that not everybody has that ability to just block off a week of time and to travel. Um, I, I look at it almost like a travel benefit in, in being able to go somewhere. And in fact, Ed and I, um, last time masters were in person, um, both got to go to Europe for masters. Um, and that was just a great experience. I brought my daughter with me. We made a whole family vacation out of it, but not everybody can do that. So, um, acknowledging the economic realities for other people, I think it's great to offer an option where people can block off some time in their schedule, but still, you know, get a, get a little bit of work done in the afternoon, not have to pay for a hotel room, et cetera. Um, adding in additional people, I think, does make the um, the classes rather large, um, and I wish that they had kind of changed the sort of way that they were teaching to acknowledge that having 900 people in a class um, is going to change things greatly. Um, but I know a lot of people who are really good programmers and who aren't certified for whatever reason, mostly because they don't have the time. To, to do that big certification exam. And so opening up masters to those people is great from a perspective of someone who wants to be, you know, the best at their craft that they can be um, and has been sort of locked out from that additional training. I, I like your thought there. And I, I, I want to come back to that. I'm, I'm going to just ask Ed to talk about a little bit about his experience because he was also an instructor as well as somebody who's participating uh, but I, I'm going to come back to what you touched on because I think it was really important. Um, Ed, the uh, you know the, this was uh, an ordeal because it started at probably 5 a.m. in some places and ended at 11 p.m. Um, and as a, somebody who is instructing, do you feel like having uh, and 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 also um, as, as Hope mentioned, some of the classes were a little large. Do you feel like you were put at a disadvantage in being able to to get your lessons uh, passed on and be able to connect with audience the audience, or do you feel like there was a, a benefit to it? So it, it's kind of um, it was a little divided. I saw it both ways, right? So our classes were done at 4.30 Eastern time, New York time where I'm from, and on one day. And then our next class uh, was 6 a.m. the next morning for the same content. So we could cover different time zones, right? And surprisingly, what we constantly find, whether it's through our fireside chats and cab or even our classes, you would think that one demographic would attend the one time frame and the other would attend the other. But we find that everybody attends everything. So the time didn't matter as much. Um, our class, I think one was 400, more than 450, and the other class was more than 350. And the hard part is obviously answering questions and being able to make sure everyone is caught up and following along. And in our case, we did a lab as well, so it was a little bit more um, challenging to make sure that, you know, how many hundreds of students were at the same standpoint, uh, what, at the same point in the lab together, right? But we did get through it. Um, we got a lot of great feedback. I, I think having the classes that large 
is hard at times, but um, having a team to support it and having that backend people to answer questions, you know, in our class, we actually had the developer of the EDK for PowerShell uh, from Crestron. So we had the actual engineer in the chat answering questions and throwing in comments. So that definitely helps. So I, I think the team aspect is good. From a student aspect, uh, I, I felt that, you know, it, it's hard to um, do all of that at once and, and spend those long days, right? Because some people had days that started at six and didn't end until 11 at night and stuff like that. But again, um, the, the advantage is you're not out drinking at like these events, right? So you could stay sober longer and that time that you could have been drinking, you're actually learning stuff. So, you know, I think it was a good thing overall, you know? I hear you there. And, and quite honestly, you know, my, my experience with it, with it was I, I really enjoyed the flexibility and the schedule and I didn't think I was going to want the 8, 8 p.m session but i i kind of like that because it gave me a chance to focus kind of to to hope's point and and that you're committed to doing this versus being distracted by other things when you're sitting at your desk um rich i i i wanted to, to continue what hope mentioned about offering or providing the opportunity to more people to to attend because i think that that's a really important thing and, and we our last show we talked about training and certifications and and I think that if we strictly want to be able to get the word out and be able to to bring the the next generation of programmers uh, to 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 up to the skill level and pass along knowledge, the ability to expose them to to ideas without having the limitations of of the certification can be I think a huge advantage. However, I can understand why they have that in. Um, what, what, what are your thoughts about that? Well, interestingly enough, as I have a 10-year-old right behind me doing a distance learning session, um, there's a big part about learning that your work and family balance life is an important thing to keep together. Um, bringing more people into the fold requires the flexibility to understand that we're not just creating these cogs that go through the machine. I think more so for automation programmers because we're at a disadvantage to the rest of the tech community, right? You, you have every other tech company out there that is saying we're flexible with work family life, we're flexible with training. We're giving you all of these inlets and inroads to expand your craft while not sacrificing while not compromising your personal life and your family life and, and the whole person. And I think that we were lucky as an industry for the past 30 years to take a bit of more of a hardline approach, right? How many times, you know, I, I know when I was breaking in, how many times would I get the, well, if you're really serious about this industry, you'll do whatever it takes. That's not really a positive approach. That's not really a fulfilling approach for a company to take. It was a hardline approach. And that's the way that we, you know, that's the way that we grew up in it. So we just kind of accepted it. I think that that is finally changing. And we're looking at an approach that says, how can we make you better professionally while still maintaining balance for you? That's going to create the long-term um, confidence and willingness to stay in the industry. Because I've seen over the decades, people burn out. And you hear it, oh, well, they couldn't cut it. They didn't get, no, they had families, they had young children. They had other things outside of their working environment. 
right, to come in. So, so kind of circle back to this. I think it's great because it allows an opportunity for business owners, manufacturers to open up the pool for training and, and create better programmers, technical program managers, salespeople all the way through while supporting now that, hey, you know, you actually do have a life outside of your work. And I think employees now are coming in and saying, I have a life outside of my work. And so how do you fit in to that? And, and I find that powerful because I would want employees coming in telling me that how can I help them instead of as an employer just deciding that my employee is just going to go ahead and suck it up and, and do that. Um, so I, I like that it allows us to grow a conscience as an industry, for lack of a better word. Um, and I hope that it continues and we can, it can, we can really improve and make some significant changes going forward. I hope I'll, I'll, I'll let you, uh, you know, fill in because I, I know that that's so, definitely something in talking with you and in in other places that that is important. Um, the 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 thing that I'll the curveball I'll just just or the wrinkle I'll put in is you you've worked hard to get a certification and be a, a Crestron uh, Silver programmer and and how um, it, are we taking away from that by bringing more people into to to these types of sessions or is it really okay because the classes that you go to and that you qualify for are not ones that others are go going to get to go to. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say that being a silver programmer has, is definitely a feather in my cap. Um, it's taken me a while to get there. I was actually gold eligible two years ago and I have my silver just because the process of getting that additional metal exam is it's very time intensive. Um, and I am a mom. Um, I have a eight year old daughter, so I, you know, would prefer to spend my off hours with her and not on um, doing additional work. So I would say that there is a balance that can be reached where the certification means something. But um, I think Crestron has done a very good job of making the exams progressively more difficult. So when you when you come into a room and you say I'm a, I'm a certified programmer, generally speaking, you're going that's going to command a decent amount of respect. And, and actually, to be frank, as a woman in the industry who often does not get that level of respect off the bat, if someone is being rude to me on tech support and not answering my question, I will often say I'm a certified, I'm a Crestron certified programmer. Uh, e either answer my question or put somebody else on the phone because I'm not, I'm not going to fight with you about this. And it's something I shouldn't have to do, but it's something that works very well because it is a certification that if people know what it is, they, they do get that respect. I do know a lot of women who don't have that certification because they didn't have 40 to 80 hours to dedicate to the program. And so I think it is unfortunate that it takes that level of time commitment. I am fortunate enough to have a husband who is very supportive of my career. Um, I got my silver exam because he basically took over all the household duties for two weeks so that I could focus on doing it off hours. I know not everybody has that option. Um, so I would like to see a little bit more of a balance between the exam is difficult. We give you uh, a very difficult program or a diff difficult problem to solve. You have to show that you know what you're doing in order to do it, but maybe there's less items on that exam. So um, 
I, I started my gold this year and then <laughs> my husband broke his ankle and I had to dedicate time to the family and so I didn't finish it. But it was a, it was a, I was actually looking forward to doing the exam because it was a cool problem that they gave us to work out. But there were a lot of pieces to it. And, you know, maybe if they'd cut it down a little bit, I might have finished it. And, and we, it actually dovetails very well into our last episode that we, we talked about. Uh, we had a, a, a Dustin Berg on who told a similar type of a story. He said he learned a lot, but he ran out of time, unfortunately. Um, and uh, as somebody who's a diamond programmer and, and has gone, gone through other many levels of, uh, of difficult tests um, and also a business owner, how, how, how do, you, what are, what do you feel um, not only the value of it is, but you know, how do you encourage that with the people that work for you? So it's an interesting point. So I, I often see on social media when you get into the programmer uh, certification debate, if you will, you get two sides. You get the one that basically says it's not important. And I know many programmers that don't have any certification that can program circles around the people that are certified and all that stuff, right? And you'll always find that, I think, in any industry, right? Uh, for me, the certification is huge because it, it's a, I, I don't want to call it the minimum, but it's a, a, a standpoint where everybody's at that same, has done the same work, right? Now, what, what's kind of interesting is over the years, so like Steve, in your case, when you and I kind of came through the ranks, right? Um, Simple Sharp didn't exist back in those days, right? Um, heck, a, a Windows UI didn't exist back in those days, right? Now we're dating ourselves, right? But um, it, the point being, um, at the time, we dealt with that technology as we saw it, right? And we were it was given to us. So I think it certainly uh, is very important. I think one place where we fall short as businesses is some owners don't give their people the time to do the work. You know, it's not a do it on your own time or else kind of thing, because if that employer um, is one that uh, will use that certification to their advantage, and why wouldn't you, right? You know, like, hey, I have this many certified programmers, I have this many whatever, uh, then it becomes a, a value to the company. You know, one thing that I know we're talking specifically about Crestron in this case, but if you look at other trade groups like CompTIA, those exams are are um, expensive. You know, they're expense, right? There's cost involved. You have to pay to take a CompTIA exam. So in our company, I cover those costs. Well, for the first the first time it's spent, right? If it's uh, a repeat offender, then we haven't had that luckily, but we, we when we cross that bridge, we'll see, right? But um, the idea is we're, we're looking at that education as a value because it's only going to come back to us and give us more value to provide the clients, right? And it's also think about the life-work balance. You guys talk about that stuff. And as much as, um, you know, in Hope's case, I remember when she was doing her silver and, and she reached out and she goes, you know, I, I don't think I'm going to finish in time. What do you think I should do? And, you know, we were chatting. And I'm like, just suck it up, buttercup, and get it done because, you you know, and I'm sure she had that satisfaction of getting that email that she got the exam done, right? It's like where you get all tingly, like, yeah, I, I, I got it done. It, it's one less thing I got to worry about, you know? So, um, you know, I definitely think it's important. And, and I, I think that, we, uh, it, that we, we, we're we all pretty much in agreement. I think the, uh, the, 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 just the, the I guess the, 
the differences in in when you took it and when uh, it is a conversation that have, has been coming up and and it's also just the effort that has to go into it so it's uh, you know and is that um, the uh, the the correlation between that and its value is is what some people I think are now talking about um, I um, hope I'll, I'll let you start with this like what, what are a couple of things that you felt were um, key elements that you that that you can act on or that you felt were um, uh, memorable learning experiences from this year's event Oh, you're going to make me say something nice about Ed. Ed and I have a relationship where we don't say nice things. <laughs> well, clearly, <laughs> the way he, he was so supportive when you were taking your exam. <laughs> uh, Ed, oh, that was tough love. Uh, Ed's, Ed's PowerShell class is always great. And, I, and you know it's a good class when you can take it three years in a row and get something out of it every time. Um, I do wish that Crestron would partner with somebody to figure out um, – better ways to teach because um, they've gotten the get a bunch of smart people in a room part down and it, it is really great to get that ability to speak directly to the people whose products you're working with um, but for a lot of the classes with 900 people especially in a class but even in some of the smaller ones um, I think it would have been helpful if they'd had learning objectives um, better prerequisites sent out ahead of time and a better strategy for saying these are the five things that we're going to teach you and um, we hope that you know 90 percent of the people will understand them by the end and that's what makes ed's class so great actually see there i have to say something nice about him again um this wasn't planned i know Imagine if she hated it. This would be a really different podcast, right? I would be really enjoying myself right now. Okay, before I get the mean tweets, Ed and I have worked together for a minute, for a long time. We're a team of rivals, and uh, we we get along very well. This is how we we show our affection for each other. Um, uh, he's you know he's like I'm going to teach you these five things. He goes through it. He gives you examples. Um, everybody gets to work on it a little bit on their own, and then he gives you what you need, what you needed to do on your own at the end of it if you didn't finish on time. And I, I find that very helpful um, to have things that I can reference and to have something new that I can take away at the end of it. Um, and I thought that PowerShell class from Ed uh, worked for, very well because of that. That's great. Um, Ed, I'll give you a chance to, to, to return the compliment, but also... Uh, be, uh, share maybe a little bit about what you get out of teaching and, and learning, because I, I know that teaching can also be a form of learning. Yeah. So for us, for, first of all, you know, hope is the star student three years in a row, you know, uh, but no, she, I, I secretly sit in the class hoping that she doesn't somehow, um, throw me off and it, it causes me to forget everything I'm doing. And, you know, it's also nice to have someone kind of, um, giving me the true feedback because one thing about hope is she does not hold back. So, um, and, I, and that's expected. I want that. Right. So for me, when we do these classes, there, there is at least, um, 18 to 24 hours of prep that goes into them. We actually, you know, I remember Rich Sassone talking about the Macy's parade and how, um, they start the next year's parade the day after the one before it, right. Cause he does the balloon, um, he works with the balloons and guiding them and whatnot and running that event. So for us, we start on PowerShell real early 
and um, we constantly change the um, the the goals as we go to make sure that it's going to be viable for everyone, right? And what I find so. Uh, I, I the the best classes I find are the ones where you get something immediately that you can take away. Um, you know, I think it's really tough um, as a student sometimes because you know you may not understand something and you get that little knowledge gap. You know, uh, but ultimately it's it's taking something in a digestible fashion and and doing something useful with it, right? Um, as a student. You know, the the I looked at these classes, I've always looked at masters as more of a networking opportunity than a, a super learning possibility, right? Because back in the day, masters was not a an event like it is today. It was very small, right? Uh, the the product line was in the you know double or triple digits, not the the four digits, right? So it was a lot easier to sit and go through some tech. Now it's just so much harder because there's so many items. But um, the key for me to, to get something out of it is to show up prepared. You know, one thing I disagree with Hope on, and I hope she doesn't not like me because of this, but uh, those emails and the prereqs and all that, I will tell you firsthand, very, very few people read them. Okay. That's because they cannot... sent out a hundred at once, Ed. I have a life. I, I, I get you on that one, but if I, I honestly... I, um, the amount of, I actually gave Crestron feedback for next year for the VC4 instances to just have a little web server set up on a VC4 where you can just go pull your instance out of it. Because it was, it was, that's the hard part, right? Is when you get people that don't follow the prereqs. Even, so forget this year, let's go back three years, four years, right? They used to have Visual Studio requirements and people would walk in the room and they're like, oh, I need a Visual Studio? And it was like, you know, what's going on there? You know, so. I, I get it, right? And it's always the few bad apples. You get people that will do the prereqs, do the classes, download the files, and then you get a whole group that doesn't. And the reality is, and I hate to say it like, you know, the company line, so to speak, right? But when you get a large integrator, and we all know those large integrators with all the letters in their names, right? When they bring 40 people to an event, and you're going to start denying entrances to those people because they weren't prepped, it's a bigger issue on your hands, right? And for the smaller people like us, right, like Hope doesn't have a file, you know what, she'll suck it up and download it on the spot, you know, the same with me, right? But, you know, it's that kind of a thing where it, it, the prep is huge. And that's the way you get out of things out of masters or when you show up prep prepared. Oh, yeah, no, you know, I, the... I agree. But there was there was some confusion about prereqs this year. Not everyone. It was like you were supposed to read a pop up when you were registering and not everyone got that information. And then some of it was just there were a ton of emails and people didn't read it. And then probably, yeah, a good 25 percent of people are just they wouldn't have they wouldn't have done the prereqs no matter what. But I mean, at a certain point, if it's holding everybody back. I, I think it would be helpful, especially if you're going to do a hybrid or an online, to have just a session where everyone says, okay, these are the four pieces of software that everyone is supposed to have. We use VC4 for more than one class. So we're just going to do a little prereq session and make sure that everyone can get into VC4 before we get into a regular learning session. It's kind of like, um, kind of like with seatbelts, right? In America, we our automobile standards are, we assume that like 25% of people are just not gonna wear their seatbelts, and so your car needs to account for that. And in Germany, they're like, what? We all wear our seatbelts, of course we wear our seatbelts, and so their standards are different. Uh, you have to kind of know your audience. If they're not gonna be wearing their seatbelts, it's shame on them for not wearing it, but then you also need to, to be aware and ready for it. 
You know, that was the one thing. This is why you and I get along so well, because the feedback you just mentioned about checking the VC4 instance was the exact um, thing that I gave to Crestron from our classes. I said, you guys need a session where maybe it's a hat like that, um, one of those networking sessions where everybody's just casually hanging out. But you need to get approval at that point that you have everything installed that you need for the classes so that you don't waste time during the class. Because a lot of people show up and then they're starting to download files and guess what? They're three slides behind and then they just lose it and then they get nothing out of it, you know? So we agree on that one. So Rich, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you the tough question, I think. Uh, the, and and we'll, we'll probably give everybody a chance to weigh in on this and and we'll we'll be wrapping up uh, likely with this question but the you know one of the things that surprised me from the last session on roadmap uh Crestron was very adamant about the fact that simple windows isn't going away um, what does that say to us? Does that say that we we still have to support the old guys that that have been doing this or does this say that there's a reluctance to move to newer modern technology and we we talk about that a lot on this show i think part of it is that there is some elegance to the way that the object-oriented programming of simple was thrown together i think you know again new can be mean better it doesn't mean that old doesn't work and so you know, this is the, the perfect opportunity to establish, well, you've got both. You've got legacy systems that are out there. And so to create the, the economic impact of trying to completely roll up a project and basically say, no, we're cutting it off. You know, again, we're not the greater IT industry, right? We still control VCRs. We still control DVD players. We still control TVs. That technology really hasn't changed all that much in terms of things on and off in the past 30 years. So to create, to say that, no, now you need a series of frameworks and you need to know about dependents and childs and, and all of these things to turn a TV on as an end user. I would say, you got to be kidding me, <laughs> much less as an industry. So. Um, you know, to think that it would go away, you know, again, is it a tool that I'm comfortable with? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, it's practically my third kid, it feels like half the time, you know. Um, but, but again, if it, if it continues to have relevance in maintaining and executing projects quickly within a certain framework, why kill it for the sake of killing it? Now, if you start to exceed it, well, now we have Simple Sharp, Simple Sharp Pro. I mean, S Plus grew out of that, right? Where a command line interface made sense to pair with it. So, you know, again, it's it's old school, new school. I, I you know, I mean, they're both the best school. I, I think both are going to learn from one another. Um, I'll, I'll I'll say this: what I've always dealt with 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 younger programmers, and and you know, I mean, I really feel old with saying this, but it'll remember. But back in the old days with, with the original processors, you know, we had 16K of memory to work with. That was it. So you had to learn to be efficient in your code because you had limited resources. Once things flipped and you technically had unlimited resor resources, you started leaving the opening to get lazy with your code. So I've always found that being able to work in the older tools makes you better with the newer tools. 
because it teaches you how to be efficient. It doesn't just create the assumption that, oh, there's more space. Oh, there's more memory. Oh, there's more X, Y, or Z, right? Uh, so, you know, I mean, is it gonna, is, is it gonna, is it, is it gonna trot off into the sunset one day? Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, you know, again, like I said, when, when you have many projects that the newer tools are great and are an added feature, but they don't directly show me a night and day difference between the two, well, stick with it until that paradigm shift occurs. And I don't think we've hit that paradigm shift. I think we will, but I don't think we're going to see that for the next couple of years. I hope I, I, I see you acknowledging and uh, how is that? What, what are your thoughts about what Rich said? And also as somebody who you know has that computer science background, um, are, are we limiting ourselves by keeping the old tools or and not forcing that growth? Or is it that that comfort comfort that we can't take away um i i would say i agree with just about everything he, uh, rich said i will quibble with one thing i don't think simple windows is object oriented i think it's the opposite of <laughs> object oriented because it's so one-off and custom and most people are not chunking it up into reusable bits um which is it's it's downside and also it's grace because um, what a lot of these systems and frameworks that want to do everything often fail to realize is that someone is putting a crestron system in their house because they want it to be super custom. And I want this button to do this very specific macro and I want this to do this. And a lot of the requests that we get um, aren't reusable. So, and simple is great because um, it is so customizable. I mean, you can customize a sharp code as well, but there is a tendency with that to want to use a config file and then want to make sure that everything is kind of um, chunked up and, and reusable. And in simple, you can just go crazy with it. Um, and I also think it's important to acknowledge that there's a whole generation of very smart programmers that don't want to make that uh, leap over to Visual Studio. Um, there was some gatekeeping, I think, for a while because it was hard to get your hands on the software. And now that we can use um, the more modern, uh, cheaper options with the new 4 Series processor, maybe you'll see some more people making that move over. But, you know, there's a lot of very good programmers that can do amazing things in Simple, and they don't necessarily, they're not trying to do anything with, you know, secure sockets or, um, you know, a REST API or something like that. So what they need to do is control a VCR and they need to have the button in the main bedroom, you know, do this one specific mac macro to make the client happy. And in that case, Simple does what they need and you'd be losing a huge chunk of your programming community if you said, sorry, uh, no more Simple for you. You're gonna have to learn uh, how to code <laughs> in uh, C Sharp. I, th I think you're 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 dead on. We just have to make sure that people know what VCR is. That's all. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna have to ask my daughter. I don't think she knows. I have an old Walkman, and she is like constantly flummoxed by it. So. <laughs> and I'll I'll let you have the last word on this. As somebody who's probably put a significant investment into learning the new technologies, and uh, you know, both for your company and also for for your learning experience. Uh, is there a competitive advantage that's being taken away? Uh, what, what are your What are your thoughts about um, the you know using new technology versus keeping the old ones alive? So, so here's an interesting um, uh, number for a metric for you guys, right? Um, 
97% of current systems are still done in simple. Okay, so that is one huge number as a, as a measurement right there, right? Um, I will tell you, so, and I've said this before um, in other uh, venues, but Creshron has been too nice to us for the past 20 years, right? When we started, pro, when Simple first came out and it was, you know, back in the day with Workshop and all these things, right? There was no language that did all this. Right, you could have done it in Assembler, you could have done it in C, but they didn't have environments. There was no IDE for this kind of embedded stuff, right? Even today, you're breaking out, if you want to go embedded, you're breaking out Eclipse or some other IDE, right? Well, now you fast forward to what's happening today, and while you're getting all this under the hood power, right? The power of the four series and C sharp and all this stuff, guess what? You're you're losing out on all of the threading that they take care of behind the scenes and all these other things, right? So it's like in the Marvel movies, with great power comes great responsibility, right? So it, the buy-in is a lot more. Um, from a keeping up standpoint, one thing I've seen, uh, and we've actually done as well, is you know outsourcing to each other. Um, there's no reason, I know Steve, your company does a tremendous amount of work with modules, right? I enjoy nothing more than billing people to install Steve's code. Um, it, it's a highlight for me, right? Um, but it's, it works, right? That's a good thing. Uh, in, in terms of investment, I've actually hired more developers on board that are newer, that are familiar with the newer stuff. Um, but I also feel that if you went and took two programmers, you could take, like, say, the Troy Garner of the world, who's, you know, he walks, lives, eats, and breathes C-sharp and simple sharp, right? And you get your most hardcore, you know, Rich, who's a simple master. And you put them in a room, I think Rich is going to win 11 times out of 10, right? Why? Because a single system can go a lot quicker with um, a, an older simple system, right? If you're doing crazy REST APIs, yeah, you need the sharp. But again, it's like what Rich and Hope kind of said, you, you have a toolbox. And I don't mean toolbox like in Crestron, you know, because we all know the answer to that is PowerShell, right? But no, uh, like a toolbox, like a carpenter where you're using the right tool for the job. And in some cases it's simple, in some cases it's sharp. You know, just to use the technology because you can doesn't mean you should. So I think it's a big part of, you know, using what's what. If you hired developers, if I went and hired somebody to write me a system to do whatever, and I just came up with some scope, and I don't mean AV, just like I want a widget that does something. At the end of the day, that person may not know or care what technology was used, and they just want the result. So again, it's up to us under the hood to figure out what we're going to do with it. But with Crestron and all the new stuff you're seeing, uh, they hinted at Python. So now that's coming along. Uh, so I think you're going to see it open up a lot more, and you're going to have just many options. It's just picking what tool is best for the project, you know? I think that's a great way to sum it up and a good, good place for us to stop. Uh, but thank you, guys. This was a really fun and uh, and in. A rewarding conversation it was kind of like uh, a bunch of people getting together and and having the uh you know talk at a bar at, at masters so i think it's pretty uh pr pr pretty reminiscent um i'd like to thank you guys for joining uh first um hope roth from reardon brothers how can people get in touch with you or learn more about reardon brothers uh Reardon Brothers, R-I-O-R-D-A-N, Brothers with an S. Yes, that is my email address. And yes, people misspell it all the time. Um, 
uh, we're rootandbrothers.com. Um, we do just a little bit of everything. Um, like Ed said, we're the one that other integrators sometimes hire when they get that sharp program that they can't figure out. Um, and then I'm also on uh, Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> My handle is the super professional at beer and pie. That memorable. Yes. Uh, Ed Mattet uh, from Technology on Demand. I'm glad we were able to get you on. And uh, how could people get in touch with you, uh, learn more about your, what you're doing? And also, if you could just give us a quick 30 seconds on the, the, the cab, I think that would be great. Sure. So to get a hold of me, it's uh, technologyondemand.com. It's uh, three long words spelled out just as it, it sounds. There's no abbreviations. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Edmana. Um, and I don't really use Instagram, but feel free to look for me there. Um, in terms of CAB, so the Crestron Advisory Board is a group of CSPs along with Crestron that uh, work together to um, enhance and, and support our CSP community. Uh, we do varying uh, things for our community. Um, whether it's outreach to Crestron on behalf of our community with issues or problems, uh, whether it's webinars, uh, trying to get uh, the word out about what a CSP does and why you need one. Uh, those are the kinds of things the, uh, the CAB works on. Uh, and we are actually uh, approaching a time period where we need new members. So if any CSP listening would like to serve on the CAB, please uh, send an email to cab at crestron.com. And that email is also for anything related to CAB uh, that you'd like to discuss. It is viewed by all of the standing cab members as well as Crestron. Thank you. And I was a past uh, cab member and uh, it's, a, it's a great experience. So if you do want to get your voice heard and you do want to make a difference and, and be able to uh, help steer the direction of that relationship uh, between Crestron and the CMP, CSPs, this is a great opportunity for you. And last but not least, uh, Rich, how could people get in touch with you and uh, learn more about what you're up to? Well, you can find me on the interwebs, dial in my name, and something will invariably pop up. Uh, Twitter, at rfergosa, great way to find me. Uh, you can find me on the website, fergosadesign.com. Uh, but first and foremost, please find me here on our AV Nation suite of shows, obviously with my partner here, Steve. Uh, our other shows on the industry, Resi Week, AV Week, uh, you know, that just everything that fills out through through uh, the industry that you should be getting information and meeting cool people on uh, and supporting our sponsors. But, yeah, come find me on avnation.tv. That's the best place, if, if at all possible. And uh, love and bridging the new school and the old school, man. This is, I'm digging it. This this makes me extremely happy. And, and I will say one quick thing, one last blurb about Masters that I really appreciated is that, you know, it, obviously running a business and everything else, short attention span theater sometimes kicks in. And like you said, you get three or four slides behind when you, you know, you turn and you look at something. Um, the fact that uh, you now have the master's courses that are quickly making their way up to the website to be able to review and work your way back on sessions is really great. So if you haven't had the chance to make it to the archives, um, visit the archives uh, because they're, they're, there's a wealth of information there that's available that, you know, because of this approach, um, the information is getting out faster before you don't almost wait a year, maybe two, if ever, to get the archives of the classes up. This was what, within a week, less than a week, I think we saw the archives going. So that was, that was super cool. Um, and I will give props for that one because it, it, I, I know that I personally kind of went back and reviewed a couple of things and went, Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but that's it. No, I, I would uh, agree. Just so you guys know, it's answer ID 2015 on the Crestron online help. 
that will get you to all the master's content. Perfect. Thank you. And I, th and I agree. I think that's a great byproduct of this type of a format. Uh, for me, uh, you could simply reach me at Steve Greenblatt on social media or my company, Control Concepts, at controlconcepts.net. And as Ed said, we do uh, uh, modules where we work with manufacturers to develop them and uh, glad others are finding them valuable. And we also have a utility module site that we launched where we put some, uh, some freebies up there for other people to use. Um, uh, as Rich said, please visit avianation.tv to learn more about this show and all the other shows. And, uh, and there's a lot of great content up there. I actually wanted to mention also, I know uh, the uh, Tim Albright's done a great job interviewing a lot of the women in uh, the AV industry, and uh, he started that for International Women's Month in March, and he's continuing that. And he mentioned that he's looking for more people to get involved, so uh, I highly recommend those who are available and willing to tell their story to uh, reach out to Tim. Uh, that's all we have for today. Thank you for listening and being a part of the State of Control.